Did you know that we're exposed to thousands of commercial messages every day? And are you aware that consumers tend to trust what influencers say about brands much more than what brands say about themselves? When brands need to cut through the noise and reach consumers, influencer channels offer an unrivaled space to create genuine, meaningful dialogue and connect directly with consumers on their terms. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, a leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to understand more about influencer marketing and why it's such a powerful channel when it comes to building trust in your target group. Every Wednesday, we'll cover topics such as how to build a successful influencer marketing strategy, how to measure the effects, the role of influencer marketing in the overall media mix, and of course, the latest trends and insights on what's up in the influencer marketing and social media sphere. And we know you're busy, so every episode is right around 15 minutes. Perfect to tune into on your morning walk, during your morning routine, or on your way to and from work. Join us and our expert guests to stay up to date and take your marketing strategy to the next level with influencer marketing. The world's fastest growing marketing method. I'm Sana Oudmark. And I'm Frida Ekholm. And this is Influencer Marketing Talks. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, the leading and award-winning influencer marketing company for fashion, home and beauty brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about consumer marketing in a digital age. And of course, all things influencer marketing in right around 15 minutes. I'm Sana Oudmark and in this week's episode, we welcome Niklas Bundesson, Associate Professor of Marketing at Stockholm University, and a strategic advisor at NOAA Consulting. We'll discuss the recently released report, Communication That Makes an Impact 2023, with a focus on three of the key findings from the study. We'll also talk about how these insights can guide brands in their strategic planning for the upcoming year when it comes to building the ultimate media mix. Also, you'll find out what Niklas thought was the most surprising finding and what areas he wants to dig deeper into in the future. Hi, Niklas, and big welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sana. Thanks for inviting me. Really glad to be here. It's a pleasure to having you. So before we start, could you just take a moment to share a bit about yourself, your background and who you are? Yeah, sure. Uh, my background is actually from academia. So I've spent uh, almost 20 years uh, doing academic research uh, on uh, marketing and marketing communications. Uh, with a sort of uh, special focus on uh, how marketing drives uh, growth and uh, drives the business. So today I'm an uh, associate professor at Stockholm University and still do research and still do teaching. Um, and in parallel, I've been working uh, for quite some time as an uh, advisor as well, a consultant, and started my, my uh, a management consultancy firm here in Stockholm uh, 
2014 with my uh, colleague uh, Don Landin. So uh, today I'm working uh, both as a researcher and a consultant, and I also work a lot with uh, the Swedish Advertisers uh, Association uh, with uh, effectiveness uh, projects and trying to spread more knowledge about uh, communication effectiveness. Interesting, and that's the best of two worlds combining academia with with uh, with real life. Yeah, for sure. I, I love both the worlds. Uh, I wouldn't live want to live without one of them. No, for sure. I agree. You touched upon it a bit, little bit. Communication that creates effects. You recently released this report about communication that makes an impact. Twenty twenty three. Please tell us more about the report. Why and how it was conducted. Yeah, this is really uh, this is such an uh, exciting project for me, uh, which it, because it combines my sort of my interest as an academic researcher and, and uh, my interest for uh, providing uh, companies and organizations with uh, practical advice. So this is really uh, sort of my favorite work. Yeah, and what it it I mean the background is really that we know from science that communication can drive uh, the business. But we want to and need to learn more about exactly how to do that, especially now in a sort of very complex uh, communication landscape with all the digital channels that we have and so on. And also, I mean, there are a lot of uh, re international reports then from the US and the UK, but we felt that we need to know more about the Swedish markets and how, how it works here in Sweden. So that was the background we and... and uh, My company where I work, Nova Consulting, and uh, together with the Swedish advertisers felt that we want to learn more. We want to provide useful you know, guidance and data to, uh, to organizations. So we started this project uh, three years ago, very much uh, inspired by the work of IPA in the UK, Les Pinet and Peter Field, and their reports that have had a you know, massive impact, as you know, on, on marketing pra practice and theory. So we used a we have used a similar uh, approach as as they did. So we, it's it's basically that we take the the Swedish uh, communication award, hundra uh, vattren, 100 watt watt awards, uh, and we use all the entries that compete in that competition and analyze those to look for uh, success factors. So today we have a database with uh, more than 300 Swedish campaigns, a unique set of data with a lot of uh, details about each campaign, its objectives, camp, uh, channels used, and so on, that we can analyze and see you know, what seems to work the best in this sample of, of high-performing campaigns. Interesting, and that's um, a good time horizon three three years. That's that's a long time, but it's it's great to have that much data to look at. Yeah, and I mean, we we want to do this. Uh, this is a long term project. So for each year, we get roughly one hundred more entries. So the more data we have, the more detailed analysis we can uh, do. So uh, this will be will be very exciting the the years ahead. Definitely. So. Looking at the results of this report, I have read it and I think it's really interesting. So could you please share some of the key insights that you have gained from the study? And also, it would be interesting to, to learn in what ways these findings can help brands in their strategic planning for, for the upcoming year. Yeah, sure. So in, in the report, we provide uh, six uh, recommendations. I thought I would, would highlight uh, four of them here that I think are the most uh, 
important ones. And the, the first one deals with the with the channel mix and which channels to use, where we see in, in the, the results that we get that it seems to be a good idea to use four to nine uh, channels, uh, not too many. I mean, in theory, it's better to use, uh, you should use as many channels as possible to make sure that you maximize the reach in the target group. But of course, uh, when you have a budget that often is limited, uh, you cannot be everywhere all the time. So it seems like using four to nine channels is uh, where we see the maximum effects. Uh, those entries and campaigns which have used more than 10 channels, they get less effects, probably because they spread out their their budget too thin. So they does, they, you don't get any impact in each individual channel. Yeah. So four, four to nine channels, uh, not too many. And also we see that it's important to mix what we call online channels with offline channels. I mean, sometimes you talk about traditional and digital channels. We don't think that's uh, doesn't make any sense really because a lot of traditional channels like outdoor can be very digital today. So we, we talk about offline and online and we see that it's so important to, to mix those to reach uh, the target group both in the sort of digital world and in the physical world. Right. And that doesn't matter if you are a physical retailer or like an online brand. Uh, no, because it's, it's. I mean, fundamentally, it's about reach and people, most uh, people that you want to sell to, they spend time online and they spend time offline. So you want to reach them uh, in, in both worlds. And also the, the offline, and off, uh, offline and online channels have, I mean, different strengths and works in different ways. So if you can integrate them, you re really get the, the best of both worlds. Right. That's true. And... Um... What was the second key finding that you want to share? Yeah, this is perhaps the most exciting one because it has to do with the balance between brand building and activation, which I know you have uh, talked about in, in previous episodes in this in this podcast series. So yeah. how should you balance the spending on brand building where you build a memories that has a long-term impact on sales with activation where you trigger immediate short-term behavioral responses and um, as you know, the, the studies from Les Binet and Peter Field uh, have shown that you, on average, you'd spend uh, about 60% on, on brand. So we were really you know, eager to see what seems to work in Sweden. So this is the first time, to my knowledge, that we have Swedish data looking at this balance. So we did the, the exact same analysis uh, based on the sample that we have. And we find that in Sweden, among these uh, uh, entries it seems to be uh, give the best effects if you spend 40 to 70 percent on brand building and the remaining part on activation so we don't want to say an exact figure because it's a so it's between 40 to 70 percent brand building uh, so that's uh, it's fairly similar to the the, uh, the previous research uh, uh, that we have seen yeah and still it's very interesting to see that Many brands out there are doing quite the opposite. They spend lots of money on, on the performance side of things and on Google channels instead of doing the branding. Yeah, they do. And, and the funny thing is that they think they are sort of the front runners, but they are really the laggards because all the, you know, the brands that, uh, that are, are in the front and know, has the most knowledge about this and have done their, their analysis and market mix modeling on their own and so on, they know that you, you need to have a good balance. So, 
but hopefully this is we can provide a few more uh, arguments and some Swedish evidence for more uh, brand building in many cases. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's often that you want to see fast results and short term, short term, it can work great. But in the long term, it's, it will not be the best solution, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that goes all the uh, the way uh, to the what pressure the, the CMO has and what pressure yeah. the CEO has and what the board expects from the CEO and so on. So yeah, uh, a lot of people are in need of uh, showing quick results especially these times. Moving on to to the third finding. This is no surprise, really, uh, to be honest, but nice to see more uh, results from Sweden. Uh, we see how important it is to invest in creativity, to do advertising that is original, unique, and stands out. Uh, so we see that the creatively awarded campaigns that have been awarded in other uh, creative uh, competitions, like in Sweden, uh, Guldeget, Uh, they uh, are uh, performing much better in terms of uh, generating business effects, twice as likely to generate large business effects and also uh, twice as large uh, market share lifts that they uh, produce compared to the non-creative campaign. So this is really important. And again, nothing new. We've seen that in uh, several studies, academic studies as well, that creative communication gets uh, greater effects, it gets higher attention, it sticks better in, in memory, it generates uh, positive emotions that are transferred to the brand, and it also signals that the brand has made an effort to communicate with the target group. And and that is interpreted as a sort of sign of, of, uh, of effort, of quality, and of reliability of the brand. So... Nothing new, but uh, interesting to see some Swedish data on this as well now. For sure. And I can just, without having any numbers on, on this, but I can just imagine that consumers expect more and more from brands when it comes to this, because we're tired of all these ads and commercials that are just disturbing our lives. We want them to give us something and be relevant. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You really need to give something to the the target group to the audience uh, to get the attention back because yeah i mean the the world of entertainment that we're living in now where any consumer any second can you know use their phone and and go to um, tiktok or instagram or netflix or what have you and just uh, entertain themselves we really need to to do something that uh, makes them want to listen to us for a few seconds or minutes so yeah yeah that's com- completely true And then moving on to the fourth of the six key findings. Yeah, this is about the importance of of, of patience and long term. Uh, I mean, uh, fundamentally, this is what brand building is about. It's quite easy in theory. You choose a a position or something you want to stand for, uh, and then you communicate that over and over again. Uh, you could, of course, vary the, the messaging. Uh, you should um, you should adapt to different formats and channels, but basically just saying the same thing over and over again, and eventually it will stick in memory, and you will build uh, build a brand. So quite easy in theory, but as you know, in in real life, brands tend to to uh, change uh, communication concepts, messaging quite quickly. So, but here we get the more proof of uh, 
showing that it's so important to be consistent over time. So campaigns that have been, you know, running for more than six months deliver uh, much better results, brand results. And after a year, they also deliver more business results. So really and stick to your uh, positioning, stick to your concept and the results will grow over time. That's really interesting. And I think what we spoke about earlier about yeah, not working too short term, it goes really hand in hand. And I, I heard someone say that when you start to get tired of your own commercials and your own messaging, then people are starting to remember it because it takes so much time and you want to change to renew yourself. But that's not always the way to go. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, sometimes you wonder why why brands change advertising. And it's probably, as you say, they, they are fed up in the in the office. Because yeah. they have been involved in the entire process from the strategy phase to the planning, yeah. looking at the first manuscripts and then, you know, also the fact that they see all the advertising themselves because they are more attentive. So, yeah, exactly like you say, when you get fed up internally, that's when it starts working uh, with the target group. Yeah. So patience, again, all mar marketers out there. So not only the fisherman's best friend, it's also the marketer's best friend. Yeah, we talked about this a bit earlier before the recording. So was there anything that really surprised you, something unexpected that you could see from the findings? Well, in one way, no, because a lot of the things we find are just confirms what we have known from previous research uh, re and reports for years and uh, in some cases even decades. So in, in many ways, no news Uh but of course, there are some some uh, some specific findings here and there that have rendered some uh, questions. So one was actually, uh, you know, related to to uh, influencer marketing, uh, which I know you uh, are an expert in. So that was actually one of the results that uh, surprised us, not in the way that it has not been studied as much uh, as other channels uh, previously. So we see that it it works. Uh, it, seems like it's not used by so many of the entries 25% and it doesn't take very uh, uh, a large part of the budget when used only 12% but it seems like even if you add a little bit of it it will uh, improve the effect so not surprising but uh, not as studied so new results or new findings in, in that sense um, hmm. yeah and I, I, I assume it's quite a new channel compared to the rest of of the channels studied, but it was interesting to see that it was one of the top three in the ranking when it comes to both uh, the branding effects and the activation effects. So that was, of course, um, fun news for us to take part of when it comes to when it comes from our study, not only ourselves talking about it. Yeah, and, and if you look at the, some of the academic research that has in fact been done on in influencer marketing you can see that it uh, it has uh, some strengths i mean all channels have strengths and uh, that's uh, i think the the key of a good uh, media plan is that you you use a combination of channels that maximizes the reach in the target group but also you you know uh, capitalizes on each uh, channel's strength and and of course the strength with the the influencer marketing channel is that you can reach certain groups, uh, certain parts of the target group that don't use other media. You have uh, often a sort of trust and credibility and attractiveness in the influencer that you can utilize. You often have a sort of high attention context where you have uh, 
the target group listening carefully. And uh, so that's some of the strengths that we have seen in previous studies. Um, so it's not difficult to see why it could be a good idea to add it to the mix. Uh, of course, as we said uh, a few minutes ago, don't uh, try to be everywhere if you don't have the money. But uh, it seems like adding a bit of that could could have a good effect. Mm. Yeah, and that takes us to, to my final question. So I can imagine when you have done a big study like this that there are things in the results that you would like to explore further to understand even more. So is there anything for the future that you want to dig deeper into possibly next year when you have 100 more <laughs> cases? Yeah, I mean, th there are so many things that we want to look at more here. So I have a long uh, list here of things we want to look at. So, I mean, budget is one thing. We get a lot of questions about that. How does it work when I have a smaller budget? Mm. So hopefully now when we get more uh, entries in the database, we can uh, compare uh, smaller budgets with big, big, uh, bigger budgets and see what works the best if you don't have, you know, very much to spend. Also understanding different brands and categories, like if, if the differences between if you're a new brand, if you're a big established brands, understanding perhaps B2B specifically. And also what we touched upon before, uh, I, I personally want to look into the value of, of entertainment uh, because, um, as you said uh, also, Sanna, that you know we really need to provide some value uh, to get attention and entertaining people in one way or another is, is one way of providing such value. So, so we have some questions about that in the database that uh, I want to look deeper into and see if that really, if we can see that it uh, pays off in terms of effects. Interesting. We look forward to seeing um, the next step. Thank you, Sana. <laughs> thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and thanks for a great study. If you want to continue staying up to date on our weekly podcast episodes, influence marketing and what's up on the consumer marketing scene, make sure you follow us on our platforms at Cure Media.